2: Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Weekly Podcast. I'm Yaz Rana and today I'm joined by former England batsman Mark Butcher, the managing editor of Wisdom.com, Ben Gardner, and the editor-in-chief of Wisdom Cricket Monthly, Phil Walker. We've got plenty lined up in today's show, another excellent round of the county championship, the IPL suspension, some other bits and bobs from the world of international cricket, as well as Phil's fascinating conversation with Graham Gooch. Um, but let's start with the championship. And I think the most exciting bit of Championship news was actually broken by Ben yesterday, the story that the Middlesex-Gloucestershire game, this will be shown in its entirety on Sky Sports cricket in the UK in the absence of the IPL. Ben, do you want to explain what's happening and for our non-UK listeners and viewers, why that's exciting for English fans?
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, obviously it's not hugely uh, out of the ordinary for uh, the Counter Championship to be shown on Sky. It does happen every so often that they remember that there's a domestic Red Bull competition that's pretty good to watch sometimes uh this has happened fortuitously because of the IPL being cancelled I guess it's the one benefit of that and it's also I think just a massive tick in the box for uh Middlesex and the quality of their live stream they've put quite a lot of investment into it they've uh got I think three manned cameras and they're going to add a fourth manned camera for this stream they're also I think one of the few counties possibly the only county this season to have uh like a bespoke commentary team so have to have a sort of TV style commentary on top of their footage rather than taking the radio thing, which makes it a much better watch. And they've also just got a crack team of of commentators so far, so Adam Collins and Izzy Westbury are both recent winners of the um Chris Mark and Jenkins domestic uh broadcaster of the year award and Matt Floyd is obviously people will recognise him from his work on on Sky. So it's been a really high quality production and I think the biggest it's is Sky just taking their feed. They're not coming down with their uh their set of cameramen and that sort of thing. They're just that they're going to add some commentators so i think atherton uh ward key and to will will be there the big four um uh, and yeah it should just be a, a great watch uh, and it will still be available on middlesex's youtube as well so no one's losing out just be a bit more oxygen for the game and i think hopefully this might encourage other counties that if they put the same investment in they might get the same sort of publicity and uh and feedback in return, I guess. So, yeah. It'll be interesting to what,
2: what, so what happens the next month as well after this round of games do, do they use other County streams or yeah, that's that, that we need to see. Um, we've got a question from one of our listeners. Anik asked, would you be happy if a streaming service like Amazon prime got right to the County championship or keep it free on YouTube as it is now? Um, I think he's optimistic that Amazon Prime <laughs> um, get their wallet out for the county championship. But you never know, um, Phil, Butch, any thoughts? Any, any thoughts? not quite like it, how I, it is. I think we you to, love it.
1: We, we have to take the wins when they come, <laughs> first of all. We've got to remember that not too long ago, um, streaming county cricket, watching county cricket uh, digitally was was a pipe dream. And... Um, and the game was sort of you know ruggedly stuck in the past really and and what we're seeing now slowly but surely is is the game being opened up now to new audiences and they are being reminded as ben sardonically points out that there is actually quite a, quite a bit of value to a good red bull game of cricket um And look, we've discussed it for a few few times now on the show because it really is changing the whole complexion of of the English game, and that's not an exaggeration. We are learning more about players on a day-by-day basis. We are getting to know their their good bits and their less good bits more intimately than than we've ever really known before. Um, And it's democratising the game in a way that that just simply hasn't happened before, and and it's huge. Now, Middlesex's stream is more uh, advanced than others and it's it's taken a punt with, with Adam and, and Izzy and so on and they are quality broadcasters and uh, it also helps that it's North London as well and let's be honest you know some of the Sky commentators it's not a big ask you know they could be having a wonderful service at Chesley Street but I wouldn't imagine that Sky would be... <laughs> Pulling out too many commentators for that one, um, but look, it's it's a sign of progress, uh, and these these signs are coming thick and fast at the moment. It's great for the
0: game. Can I just on, on the Amazon Prime point? It's possibly unrealistic that Amazon Prime will come in. I would love to see serious discussions made by the 18 counties between themselves for launching their own uh, platform where they sort of uh, uh, sort of combine all their streams and perhaps even put a bit of money behind uh, someone's sort of front the whole thing. I I suggest something around when there was a very exciting uh, last round of the T20 Blast last year and uh, it was quite hard to follow but hugely exciting. And if there had been someone sort of like pointing you in, here's where this exciting thing is happening, here's where this exciting thing is happening, possibly even cutting between the games, that would be great. And I can see that kind of thing happening for the county I don't think the counties own the rights to their streams. I think Sky own the rights, which is why they can just step in and sort of say, we're streaming this one. So that would be possibly for the next right cycle. But at some point, I can see that being possibly a little money spinner for the counties and definitely something which helps to bring the game to uh, like a wider audience. Mm.
2: I find it amazing that not that long ago, um, we're going to talk about Matt Parkinson later on. And some of the deliveries he bowled this, this season have been amazing, but not that long ago, if somebody uh,
3: produced something like that in a game of county cricket,
2: no one would see it.
3: Mm. Um, well, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, that, but that's, that's hundreds of years yeah. worth of that. Um, and that's why the, uh, the, the cricket writers were always so important. Um, we know what's kind of been happening there in terms of um, the the sort of accessibility that the or, or at least at least the coverage that the newspapers are willing to give the county game. So as that has diminished, the stream is now stepping up, you know, and people would, I'm sure, would prefer to be able to see the thing live rather than read the beautiful words of somebody like Phil um, writing about them. No, actually, that can't be true. <laughs> Come on. Uh, but, you know, so that's, you know, one thing is, is sort of replacing the other. Um, this stream of this game going on Sky is replacing the IPL. Had the IPL not been cancelled, this would not be happening. And the first um, view of, of sort of county cricket this summer would have been the, the Middlesex-Surrey game um, starting on the 20th of May, which is, you know, full Sky out, outside broadcast, um, etc. So, yeah, it's all good. Listen, anything, anything that, that pleases the, the county cricket fan and, and allows people to, to sit there and watch is a, is a very, very fine thing. Um, you know, and the, the county players is actually interesting because you kind of, you know, you always felt a little bit like you were, whatever you did, good or bad, was kind of hidden away. You know, you didn't have to quite be on your best behaviour. It wasn't like playing a one day international or even playing a blast game, you know, on, on Sky in the evenings. Um, and now that is not the case you know players are finding out that little bits of skullduggery are being picked up on et etc Um, but you've also got you've also got the uh, the added sort of you know, mentioned some things going on in in the t20 but one of the uh, my arguments against the, the t20 blast in the way that we've always done it ie with 18 teams and um, you know everybody pretty much playing all of the time is that whatever you did you couldn't you couldn't keep up with it. Um, you know, the example that I would always give when we were in, when I was having arguments with people around the, the, the idea that having fewer teams in a different type of competition might not be such a bad idea. I hadn't dreamt up the 100, mind, mind you. You know, that's, that's a separate sort of issue. I was still talking about T20. But the, the, the example I would often give was of when Somerset spent all that cash on Chris Gale coming over. who played four games or something, made a couple of hundreds, you know, just b- battering the ball to death. But nobody saw it you know sky's games were always elsewhere you, you know you have to roll the dice a little bit and you pick whatever you think the game might be good you even you even look at where the where the truck is because don't forget we would go we we'd do games um, from the uh, from the pod the guys would drive the pod through the night up in durham they'd drive it through the night to go down and set up at taunton for a game the next day i mean that's how it that's how it would work there'd be one one set of kit and we would follow a you know zigzag around the country so sometimes you were just unlucky you missed the great performances. You miss the water cooler moments and that was one of the, the things that I always felt was an issue in terms of huge outlay being made for these great players and yet it's not part of the national conversation because no one can see it. 6,000 people at Taunton saw it and nobody else. You know, it might as well not have happened. So, And that's not, sorry, I'm not having a go at Taunton, one of the great sort of county um, setups that there is. But that's that was the fact of the matter. Um, so the streaming thing is, of course, very welcome. Yeah, yeah.
0: I I'm itching to talk about Matt Parkinson, but uh, this it just makes this a, a, a huge game for some of those Gloucestershire players who have done a lot to advance their cases in recent years. So, I mean, specifically uh, James Bracey and Chris Dent and to a slightly lesser extent, Ryan Higgins. I mean, uh, obviously people would have been able to watch on the live stream, but the fact that you'll have uh, Atherton and Hussain commentating on them, you know, if, if if Chris Dent goes out and sort of, like, you know, blocks out and really blunts Tim Mertz and Toby Rowland-Jones to... To get to a gritty half century, and they're talking about him and saying like, "Yeah, I can see how he's doing this on a you know in a test match ground against a a, t- a test class attack." Um, that that can be a huge thing for pushing their case forward. And you know, Gloucestershire kind of won the county sort of complain a little bit that you know we have these class players and they're not talked about as much. Well, this is a, a real chance to be in the shop window and to show what they can do.
2: Also, Butch, I did question a few on this actually. Um, so last week we talked about like how much opportunities the England coach gets to watch um, county cricket, and I guess. Same question really goes for like the, the Sky commentators quite a lot, the guys who yeah, just do yeah. the test stuff. They don't get an opportunity to watch a lot of it. No. So actually, if you are a Gloucester player who's doing quite well at the moment, this is a really good opportunity to impress players, uh, to pe- people in, in the, the world of cricket whose, whose opinion carries
3: a lot of weight. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, and this, you know, this is sort of a, a chat about the wider... The wider problems or the wider the wider good of the county game. It's great that you have eighteen teams playing. It's great that you have this sort of this wide coverage around the UK. I mean, you know, if you if you look at it, I suppose even even the eighteen counties don't cover all of the cricket that's played in the country. You know, um, minor counties, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There are lots of hubs of the game that are not represented by a first class team, um, and so. It does make it, on the one hand, it's brilliant because you've got all of these players playing and you've got, you know, a a, a lot of the population has some access to it. But it's also incredibly difficult to know who's any good, you know, because you have that, that many players playing at any one time. And I think I've mentioned this before. Guys are always going to, there are going to be some blokes who are in great form and some blokes who are not. And that doesn't always tell you the story as to who is a better player. You know, you just, when you're playing that many games over that, that, that wider scope um form and class are not always the same thing so yeah i mean it's it's fantastic and i think you know i was talking to mark lane earlier on this week about gloucester star and everything and he was waxing lyrical about the about the new system so moving away from the streaming a little bit but about the you know being able to play shop window type cricket in the in his group of um, in, the, in the what is it, Group Two that they're in, play against teams that they might not have played against. I know they, they were promoted um, a couple of years back and would have done, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they, they, you know, there's a feeling now that all of all of the counties are kind of in with a in with an equal chance, an equal sh- chance to show that they have players who are worthy of being picked, and that is that was not been the case ever since the second divisions come about. And you also think about it from this point that. Division 1, Division 2 promoted the idea that players needed to leave small clubs to go to bigger ones, right, in order to to fulfil their dream of playing for England or to put themselves in the shop window of playing for England. Championship, uh, Two-division county cricket did that, right from the very off. You saw this idea, you know, the talent would move towards clubs that were bigger, more first-division friendly, whatever it was. No need for that anymore. Yeah. Gloucestershire can keep hold of players like Dent and Higgins and these guys can actually start to make a name for themselves, without having to think, well, if I'm going to go any further, I've got to leave. And that's that can only be a good thing too.
1: It's interesting that there is uh, a, a, d- a division between certain counties who are used to Division 1 cricket, and they are a bit more ambivalent, and that's probably a polite way of putting it, about the new system. And I spoke to uh, Anthony McGrath uh, over the weekend, who's coach at Essex, um, and he said, look, from our point of view, you know, we earned the right to get into Division One a few years ago and we've done well in Division One and and he, his belief and the club's belief is, well, the best should play the best. And that is very much consistent with the nature of competitive sport and the survival of the fittest and so on and so on. And I guess you can understand from a pragmatic perspective why the clubs who are in tune to Division One cricket and kind of take it almost as a birthright these days would would feel like that. but." from our point of view we're not in the game for winning and losing we're not in the game for pots we're in the we're in the game to try and celebrate the beauty and the breadth of english cricket uh, and so from our point of view as journalists i think there is a lot more openness to the system than uh, than certain certain counties and there is a dividing line between you know those who are up there and those who have become used to Division 2. I think clubs that have got used to Division 2 think this is great. This levels up, to use that awful new phrase, uh, the, the, the you know the competitive structure. And then there are others who are a little bit sniffier about it. But look, from my perspective, as I've said on this show a few times, I think it's great. It's, really quite,
2: it's quite interesting that's what McGrath says, because uh, a lot of Division 2 clubs use Essex as the example for why yeah. um, the standard's I've- actually quite... Quite, there's not much of a difference in the standards it'll you know, be kind got promoted, of
1: upward mobility exactly
2: of
3: the club, promoted yeah. one year winning it the next year so exactly. that is quite interesting but I mean that's so it's that's an interesting that's mm. a kind of you know that's the sort of thing that you might that, that uh, fans of, of smaller in inverted commerce clubs might sort of hurl at a, a team like Surrey being sniffy about, about the idea that you have a, a God given right to be in one division and to, and to, and to hang the rest Interesting. (laughs) Interesting. Nice one, Mags.
1: even sure that was on the record.
2: (laughs) (laughs) To the cricket itself, um, the game of the round was uh, Yorkshire's one run win against Northampton at Headingley. It's a remarkable game of cricket. I was was watching it on the screen that you're using, Butch, with the IPL on the, on the TV on Sunday. Um, and Yeah, Northants were chasing 220 in the fourth innings and at one point were 146 for seven before just very slowly nudging their way to the target at about two and over. Um, they got within two runs of the target before Yorkshire skipper Stephen Patterson snared Wayne Parnell, who just kind of wafted at one without much Conviction having
1: taken 10 in the match, right? Parnell, I yeah, think. he had a great game, yeah. absolutely brilliant game. Oh, and, and, so brutal.
2: And he and he and he kind of um looked after that run chase. He was mm-hmm. obviously the most capable, there wasn't like a specialist batsman in to kind of lead yeah. the chase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was Parnell oh, doing that does job. Nothing for
3: the the, um, the the South Africans, are choker's thing, does it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <come on. laughs> got, within, <laughs> got within one run and stuffed <laughs> it up it's not my job to be nice to people <laughs>
2: <laughs> well on was doing well dwan oliver uh bowled really well for yorkshire and he um he it was i think north needed about 15 to win with two wickets in hand and then oliver just bounced out i think kerrigan um and at that point i thought yorkshire would definitely win it the way he was bowling but mm. then yeah it was an amazing finish and um, also
0: uh dane patterson took that Ridiculous catch. Well, Stafford's doing well. Yes, good, good, good week for Africans. Yeah,
2: <laughs> We tried to speak to Paterson, actually, the Yorkshire captain who took that last wicket, about that game um, for the podcast. But uh, regrettably, Yorkshire informed us that they are not letting any of their players speak to com or other media outlets outside of game obligations until the investigation into allegations of racism at the club first made by Azeem Rafiq in an interview with Tar Hashim on com, is in progress. Um, moving on but your moment of the week is not finally winning a game of first class cricket Um, which is, it's been what three
3: years almost? June 2018 that's a very long time uh, against the mighty Essex, the mighty entitled to Division 1 cricket Essex (laughs) Um, yeah no, I I, I still find it very hard to believe that, you know (laughs) extraordinary um, that it should have taken so long that you know, a coach like Peter Moores, who is often, not often, is always kind of lauded for the way that he, he's able to resurrect players' careers and has a great record. You know, you'd be hard put to find any player that has spent any time with, with Peter Moores who has anything but sort of glowing things to say about him. And yet, you know, in the in the county championship where the where the bread and butter is made, they have been absolutely woeful. So, yeah. Yeah, big up to, uh, you know, the, the motherland. My, my wife and m- mother-in-law of Nottinghamshire, or well, Nottinghamshire residents. And so they're very happy. Wonderful. Yeah, um, it improves the mood around the country when your county wins. <laughs> I know this.
0: Um, it's funny, actually, sorry, because I, I remember, actually, it's probably in the first issue of Wisdom Cricket Monthly, doing a piece on Notts's revival, which would have been the end of 2017, because they got relegated, I think, in 2016 in quite sort of shocking circumstances, and then uh, bounced back, Uh, tailed off slightly towards the end of that season, but it looked just like a blip when they were kind of home. Uh, I think they needed a big partnership involving Billy Root to sort of get them overline, sort of secure a draw that they kind of had no right to in the last round. And so then it was sort of like, knots are back when the big clubs in English cricket are back where they belong to be. (laughs) Yes, <laughs> since then have barely won a game. They, I remember, so,
2: um, we interviewed Ben Duckett and Joe Clark uh, over two years ago now, and that mm. when they both got signed ahead of the twenty nineteen season, it's like right, you know, they 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 mean business. And they've, they've signed the
0: whole England nine team. Yeah, exactly, and, uh,
2: yeah. exactly. Um, It's not quite happened. Um, There's another hundred there for Ben Slater, who's uh, on a really good run at the moment, and uh, and there was a second innings ninety four for Haseeb Hamid. Um, and yeah, Ben's already mentioned the Dave Patterson catch on the boundary, which if you haven't seen it, do search it on the Knott's Twitter feed. It's really, really good. Are we,
3: are we getting to the point where, where it's a Samson and Delilah thing with Hamid and we just don't don't cut the hair off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <But> <laughs> it's all going to come tumbling down if, he, it, if it, he has a
4: snip.
2: It was quite funny. There was a question last week's show about whether Chris Silverwood's first job as, as selector... Uh, would be to kind of decide between Lithe and Hamid, and then both throughout provide like 11.02 for Ducks <laughs> on, on day one. Um, That's the game. Yeah. Um, Gloucester chased over 3.50 on the final day against Leicestershire. Ian Cobain scored a fourth innings 100 there, just his fourth first-class game since 2017. Um, obviously very good in white ball cricket, but um, hasn't played much red ball cricket.
3: Well, I've I got a little insider on that as well, for having spoken to to Mark Elaine. Um he says he's he's quite sort of confused. When you see him batting in white ball cricket, there is no confusion whatsoever. He goes out there and absolutely slams it. But but Boo Boo was saying that he's you know just doesn't his brain can't cope with the sort of the different demands or the different sort of um, pace or the different sort of thought processes around making runs in in long form cricket. And he said that you know the fact that there was a, a run chase on there, time was limited, was. I mean, it was very, very, very liberating for I him. I watched end of that and stream it. and that was exactly it. It became
2: yeah. a white ball run chase yeah. and he was just like clearing his front leg like yeah. well, this guy can! is a brilliant strike with the ball but yeah. it wasn't a red ball innings by the end of it. But they did at the start, Gloucester were 52 for three in that run chase. So I guess they were kind of playing for the draw at the start. And then him and Tom Lace uh, built a really good partnership, and then they were in with a sniff. And then, yeah, um, they 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 took it from there. Um, he's okay, one it goes of the with
1: Butler last last summer in that run chase with Pakistan, I yeah, think, yeah. When he'd been a bit garbled in his head, as he says himself, about how to go about Test match cricket, and then when push came to shove, and it was a last day chase, suddenly all of that clutter just fell away, and and he was it was a clear target that he had in mind, and he played it more naturally liberated by the situation and and since then he's he's, he's, he's gone well, obviously.
2: Yeah, um, and also on Cobain, one of the few Scouse cricketers. There aren't many of them. We've yeah, brought this up on the this, show before. this kind of vacuum um, in Liverpool of, yeah.
0: of, of first-class cricketers. Yeah. His father, I think, is a, a Liverpool club cricket legend. I think we might have a story That's on right, him. No, he's uh, been in uh, the Club Cricket Hall uh, of Fame. yeah, yeah.
2: Amazing. Um, Sorry got their first win of the season. They beat Group 2 pace setters Hampshire by an innings and uh, 289 runs. Um, Jordan Clark took career best figures of 621 on the opening day, where it looked like, um, well, it was, it was quite difficult to bat. It was quite a green pitch, a very short boundary on, on one side of the ground. Surrey then scored millions. There was a double ton for Hashim Amla and a 100 for Oli Pope, who now averages over 100 at the Oval in first-class cricket, before Kemo Roach took... Eight for forty to wrap up the game, which is handy. And I think I think if Roach um, hits kind of the levels we know he can reach, I think that's a absolutely a, a huge game changer for sorry for the rest of this bit of the season.
0: Yeah, f- funny funny game that because we kind of got here, saw the pitch, and was like, oh, that that looks a bit green. And then uh, <laughs> Hampshire, the form team in the competition, really. Rolled out for 92, and everyone's sort of wondering what's what's Mohammad Abbas going to do on this? They could be, yeah. they, they they could make sorry follow on somehow here, uh, and then uh, I think Roy Burns hit him for three fours in his first over, yeah. and then that That's was it. almost definitely yeah. gone. Yeah. Exactly, just on Burns. Uh,
1: I've seen him a bit obviously at the Oval, and he's been scrabbling a bit, I think. But he looked really good. I thought he made mm. 80. Yeah, he, he looked. It was a bit stiller. I thought at the crease, the balance was there. He was he was taking it through mid wicket comfortably. He wasn't falling over. Uh, the feet were going a bit better than they had been, and and he looked like a Test match opener again. You know, so it's it's good signs for a club that's been on its uppers really since the start of the season. Yeah,
0: I'd echo that because against Middlesex last week, obviously the story was not uh, <laughs> Rory Burns making eighty when sorry, sort of. Uh, heroically squandered a position on, on day three but he did look very good on the second day I think making a, making 80 odd so yeah he does mm. look like he's back in some sort of form
2: Elsewhere Glamorgan beat Kent in a low scoring game at Cardiff um, we've got a question uh, directed more for you Butch I guess Guy Fraser asks I remember some batsmen with long careers, but with Stevens, Murtagh and Hogan all pushing 40 and taking, or passing 40 in some cases, and taking wickets, are there more bowlers lasting longer these days because maybe of sports science? Or was it always like this? Any crafty old bowlers, butch members facing past 40? Just on that game, Hogan, who turned 40 next month, he took a Fifer and, and so did Darren Stevens, who's 45.
3: I can't think of any, you know.
1: Caddick was 40 think- when he was
0: still bowling, taking taking the new ball, was because, he? Yeah, Caddick. I think we retired no, because, at forty. Bickers, wasn't forty. Was he not? No. Okay. I'd I'd add just on on these three. I mean, Murtagh is just a, a freak, but he he is definitely someone who knows. I don't know if it's sports science, but he knows how to manage. Himself, like sometimes he'll run up off like three steps and bowl it because he's kind of just trying to keep himself a bit fitter. place wise, no uh, difference. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. S- Stevens and Hogan, though, are kind of special cases. I mean, Stevens didn't really bowl for Leicester much at all and took his first first class five when he was 34, so he's almost like he's you know he, now now he's bowled the amount of 35 yeah.
3: when he was at Leicester. He played as a batter, he hardly, yeah. hardly bowled yeah. at all. And, um, and Michael Hogan
0: so he- also, I think, so he played club or grade cricket, I guess they call it in Australia for a mm. long time, and then broke into first class cricket in England about the age of. 28 or 29 so again it's not got that like a great you know club cricket you can bowl hard bowl fast but you're not bowling that four day sort of stretches that you would be in a, in first class cricket I,
3: I reckon that in the you know in, in the sort of the golden era of cricket there would have been there would have been a hell of a lot more of them you know spin bowlers etc etc going on into their into their 40s but no I think this is this is slightly freakish um
1: probably inevitable though as well you know with the the game becoming more professionalized as well that players will have little pockets where they can rest and obviously the whole physiological side of the game is is more advanced than it would have been maybe in the past you've seen it with Anderson pa- at the top top level
3: getting paid a few more quid also helps yeah totally you know no for yeah. sure i mean that yeah, it's kind of it's a little bit cynical but you kind of the 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 wages now that non international players um, you know, high-value county players are, are on is, is a re- seriously good wage. So you kind of, you know, back in back in the old days, you might think to yourself, well, I could get another job and earn the equivalent, and kind of, you know, not go through the the pain and the torpor of it.
2: Even when you paid?
3: yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the money didn't start to get the money didn't start to get good for county players for county only players until until maybe two thousand three, four. You know, they were the salaries were. Were, were pretty pretty poor really up until that point so you know you look at it that way the incentive to stay fit the incentive to keep going is, is much greater than it was in the past so maybe Absolutely. we'll see maybe we'll see more of them yeah, yeah.
1: The, the, the the kind of erosion of motivation is a familiar story through all, all the years that I've been talking to cricketers about their their internal stories and that come the end days what is it Sometimes it's it's broken backs. Sometimes it's loss of form. A lot of the time it's, I just can't go anymore. I just can't keep going anymore.
3: The thought of, you know, seeing the cones out in the morning and yeah. pre-season is just like, oh, I'm not putting myself through that anymore yeah. again. I still enjoy it. You know, I enjoy certain bits of it, but there are certain bits I could seriously do without and that's it. The curtain comes down.
0: Is there something sorry, in possibly in this, the, the new sort of structure of a county season where if when you have the T20 blast played in a block, then, I mean, someone like Mercer wouldn't be playing a huge amount of T20 cricket, I think. And even if he was, he's only bowling four overs every couple of days for, you know, a three-week stretch, which gives you just that that little bit of a break. So so if something is building up and sort of like a stress issue, you get that kind of like that rest without even kind of realising it as well, possibly. I mean, it's very much a theory, but...
2: No, that's a fair it's point. It's a... a fair point. Um, elsewhere, a very impressive Durham side um, beat Warwickshire by an innings. It was good mm. to see Mark Wood back taking wickets. Ben Rain took five for nine in the first innings. But um what caught my eye was, was Carson and the wickets again. He started the season really well. He's played, he's played for the Lions. He was on that Australia tour at the start of 2020 and he, and he looks quite quick. Um, he is. I
1: saw him live at Chelmsford yeah. first, second week of the season. Uh, he looks like a bowler who's going to take a lot of county wickets yeah. and a bowler who might possibly stand a chance of taking wickets at a high level as well. He has the frame, the physicality, and from to the naked eye, enough enough nip and pace uh, to be part of that conversation. And he can bat as well. Yeah, can bat as well. Yeah.
2: Very very handy. Cricketer. As I, I think I
1: said it a couple of weeks ago. I think they have probably pound for pound got the best seam attack in the country when everyone's fit. Durham, and they're they're creeping up on people again because obviously they've had two or three years. With points deductions and the doldrums and
2: losing players, yeah, yeah.
1: that's it. Yeah, Um but no, it's it, you can't keep a proper good cricket club down, you know. And, and it's it's a great fertile place for for the game up there, and it's brilliant, really brilliant to see that they're they're on yeah. the way back.
2: If you just go through the Durham eleven, it's just eleven very good cricketers, totally. a very good bowlers are making that side as well. So yeah, um keep yeah. It out on them. Lee's
1: got runs as well. Yeah, who you, you know Boykes picked him out as an England opener seven or eight years ago. As often happens wended his way through the back roads of the yeah. game um and has now come back out and is, is going well again for Durham at the top of the order no, it's good to 100%, see
2: 100 100 um elsewhere um finally getting to what Ben wants to talk about thank you it's been 25 um, minutes Lanx <laughs> chased down 253 in the fourth innings to beat Sussex as an unbeaten 90 odd for Keaton Jennings in the fourth innings but Ben what is your moment of the week
0: yeah well I guess the interesting thing about my moment of the week is that uh I actually only found out about it about twenty-four hours after it actually, or maybe even longer after it actually happened. Just do your job, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> well, but but this is the thing: is that so? I I mean, uh, because of the you know the 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 righteous and correct social media blackout this weekend, uh, it did sort of make you realise also just the value of uh, those streams for and the clips that they clip up for alerting you to these miraculous moments. Uh, so the moment is Matt Parkinson uh, bowling another uh, Warren-esque. Uh, just ridiculous ball to, to Delroy Rawlins uh, who'd been sort of t- taking the attack to him really I think he'd swept him for four twice in that over already and then uh, is a, if, if you, I, I actually then went back on the live stream to see what the setup was and he would bowled one ball the ball before pitched in the exact same spot but which was a uh, sort of flatter and just a little bit quicker but he's and, bowling over the wicket to a lefty yes yeah. over the wicket to a lefty yeah and Rawlins had comfortably left it Next ball is uh, looped up, obviously he's put quite a lot more revs on it and it's just the, the huge leg spinner, which kind of only Parkinson can bowl at the moment. Uh, pitches in the rough, turns and uh, Daryl Rawlins goes to leave it and it clips off stump and he just looks there absolutely bemused uh, at what, what's happened. Uh, but, and uh, we first th- found out about it because uh, have you got the name of the man who emailed us yet? afraid,
2: afraid I don't.
0: But, uh, but, 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 but thank you for, for emailing because we'd obviously run a piece on Parkinson's uh, uh, other ball of the century a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and he said, I wonder if, if you might consider doing a piece about, about his, his wicket to his ball to Rawlins. So we went and looked at the uh, the highlights on Lancashire's YouTube, which had fewer than a thousand views at the time and were absolutely amazed by what we'd seen. And then two days later, when the blackout ends, Lancashire put it up and, uh, and then the whole internet goes crazy. Uh, but yeah, that, that was... <laughs> and, and Parkinson is doing something incredible Every game at this point. I mean, the first game of this, the first game. Oh, he was left out for the first game of the season. <laughs> Which uh, was incredible. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, second game, obviously bowls the Rossington ball. Third game takes seven for one hundred and twenty-six in fifty-two overs, and then now has done this. Adele Ray Rawlins, and is uh, I think he's got uh, is it twenty wickets at eighteen this season. Yeah. Uh, so the only only three bowlers have taken more wickets at better average, and they're all seamers.
2: And they've all uh, also played a game more than him as yeah, well.
0: Yeah. So he's uh, he's having an amazing start to the season, and it kind of feels like I mean. I personally, I mean, if England are thinking about picking Ollie Robinson with an eye to the ashes for a test this uh, summer, I would be very tempted to do the same with Parkinson. I think there's a real possibility that he could be a threat on those Australian pitches and you, if possible, don't want him to be making his debut in that sort of circumstance. Uh, sometimes you do get pitches in England which can require two spinners. We had one uh, when India last toured. I think Mo came in, got mm-hmm. recalled and took uh, either nine or 11 wickets, I think um uh and so if, if if that's the case i would be i, I think i would like to see parkinson especially because if you're picking two spinners you can afford for one to be that breakthrough bowler in england the guy who you throw the ball to and nothing's really happening and you can see what happens um and even if even if there isn't a pitch i think that a bit of rest and rotation for for leach just see how parkinson goes i think could be a a, a real viable thing that you can consider personally. there's a
2: lot there's a lot made of how much he spins the ball we've talked about that before there's a lot made about how slowly he bowls the ball um but what I think is quite interesting is how much drift he gets and how late that drift is. Butch, how, how difficult is it if you're a batsman facing a, a spin bowler who just gets late drift? Uh, the, deliver, the, the wicket before the Rawlings one was an LBW, which on the, on, the, on the surface didn't spin a huge amount, but it deceived the batsman mm. in the drift,
3: not necessarily the flight. What that does is it changes, the, it, it kind of, as the ball is on its way to you, it changes the position of your hips and the position of your shoulders. Which then changed the changed the angle that the bat starts to come down. So yeah, I mean it's it, that's one of the one of the things that made Warren so so difficult to face was that the, the trajectory of the ball was changing as it was coming towards you, or at least the, the line of the ball. Um, and as far as 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 far as Mac Parkinson is concerned, the one the one thing that any spin bowler has control over beyond anything else beyond the magic deliveries, hard spun, you know, variation, whatever it is. One thing a spin bowler has control over, beyond conditions, beyond whether the pitch is going to turn or not, is where the ball is going to land, right? And if a spin bowler can have command over when the ball comes out of his hand, he knows where it's landing, and he has two or three different ways to get it to land in the same spot, then he's in the game. And what has happened with Mark, what is happening with Matt Parkinson is is that he, is, he has started to become very accurate. He started to have control over where he is landing the ball. Once you've let go of the damn thing as a spin bowler, there is nothing more you can do. So you need to be in control of what happens when that thing comes out of your hand. Now, he has the ability to to push them through a little bit flatter. He's never going to bowl the ball quickly as, as a leg spinner, and why should you? Well, he very rarely bowl it quickly. But he now has the ability to change the speed and the flight on the delivery and have it land in the same spot. And if you can do that, you're in the you're in the game on any surface, and that's and that's what we're seeing with him at the moment.
2: I think some of the um, kind of the the way Parkinson is perceived and the criticism he got when he played very briefly for England was how differently he looks to a lot of other leg spinners at the moment. So if you compare him to Rashid, for example, Rashid's got a massive googly, and you see that loads. And as a casual fan, you can kind of go, "Oh, that's that's amazing," and you kind of lazily say, Parkinson's not got that. Can he survive? Oh, he bowls slightly slower, you know." Can he survive in international cricket? But, you know, actually he's quite an old school leg spinner.
1: Yeah, and that doesn't necessarily stand him in good stead when it comes to perceptions built by coaches and commentators because people look at the game now through the prism of one-day cricket um, and spinners who bowl darts are often quite effective in one-day cricket. What's interesting about Parkinson, and this goes back to Butch's point about accuracy, Parkinson's white ball record is outrageously good in both the forms. So what he's done, he has he has developed that innate accuracy and he's deepened that over the years when he's not been allowed to play red ball cricket. So he's cut his teeth in white ball cricket and now he's using all of those skills and that repetitive element of it where you know where you're putting it, you can do it blindfolded because he's played a lot of white ball cricket. He's now bringing all of that stuff into the into the red ball game. And and now you're starting to see the value of a bowler who is just who who is in control of his length and his line. Um now P- Parkinson's a fascinating character, right? Uh and you know we talk about him on this show all the time. He's one of our one of our one Pop of our you know him down Lawrence, of our red flags. Simon you know, we, we bring Jones, him up we bring him up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Ian hobby but, but horse. We make no apologies for that because he is he is almost unique in the story of English cricket as it stands currently. Now um when he first came into the England team, he bowls too slow. Moe Nally got the same thing, incidentally, when he first came into the side. Different bowlers, though, requiring different skill sets. Parkinson has had to stand his ground on this. Now, I'm not saying that he's become pig-headed and he recognises that there are times on certain tracks and against certain players to, to, to try and you know visit through a wee bit quicker. But he's had to stand his ground on that. And he said to us and he said to others, if I sacrifice the things that make me good to bowl three or four miles an hour quicker to fit that bracket, to, to conform to that notion, then I'm not prepared to do it because I don't want to lose what I've got. We talk about drift. The slower you bowl, but you do still have revs on it, the more drift you're going to get. Warren was proof of that. So fair play to him. Who knows where he's going to go? And, and talk about England is great and fun, but who knows? And we don't need to dwell too much on that just yet. Uh, but what he's done up to now in his career as a 23-year-old kid bowling leggers up in the Northwest, been an outstanding story so far. Uh, and it shows also that the boy's got a bit of gumption about him as well, you know, that he's not going to be pushed around. And you need that as a spinner. You know, you you need... Flight and guile is one thing, but you need to have a have a strong shell as well, you know, because in English cricket, if you're if you trying to bowl wrist spin or finger spin... Then it can be a hiding to nothing. So, look, fair play to him. I can't speak highly enough of him. Just one, one, one thing briefly. Yeah. Um, I have one or two things that I like to ban in, in the magazine that I'm involved in. Uh, the word Orwellian, the word Shakespearean, and I'm now going to extend it to the word Warnesque, right? Ben, don't take it personally, right? But Warnesque, I, I just, I'm just not having it anymore because it's, 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 it's too easy, isn't it? It's too easy. It's too easy just to make top. all those references back to that, that one freak genius. Okay. Reminds me of Stuart McGill's And partner. look, you described it beautifully and with, with great, great, great heart and, and obviously naturally articulate. But yeah, warnesque esque I'm, that's I'm well putting in my it. big red pen right through the word <laughs> Warnesque.
0: It's, it's, it's quite all well in if you feel? <laughs> yeah, it probably is actually. Yeah. Very
1: good. All right, you win.
0: Um, excellent.
2: Um, we've actually got a bit f- um, of audio from the man himself. Um, Parkinson spoke to Ben a couple of weeks ago now. Ben had to rush out of the podcast whilst recording to speak to Parkinson. There's a very nice interview that's written up on wisdom.com if you want to read that, but um, here is Parkinson on bowling uh, those Walnest deliveries oh. and his uh, excellent start to the season.
0: The first thing I thought was best to ask is if you could tell me the story of that ball as if you're telling it to like your, your grandkids in 50 years' time. <laughs> I'm
4: going to try and say this better than I said on interview which was Sack it I'm just going to try and rip it um <laughs> yeah it was quite frustrating actually um obviously I know Simon Kerrigan very well um and he was batting better than I've ever seen in bats so I was getting more and more frustrated um rossington had been playing really well as well they've both been sw- sweeping from my outside leg stump um so I just thought try and ball it as fast as I could really um if he'd, have, if he'd have played it like he had been playing it, how he'd been sweeping, then I think he'd have been all right. But when he stayed back, I thought, oh, I'm in, I'm in with a sniff here. Um, and it must have literally just clipped, clipped the rough because there wasn't actually that much spin to the right-handers um, throughout the course of the game. Uh, but it must have literally just clipped the rough. And obviously to see it spin and hit off was fantastic. And then I came off at T and my phone was absolutely blown up. Um, <laughs> it was all over Twitter and Instagram and stuff. So now it was cool.
0: Yeah. Were you, you said you were nervous, were you more nervous than you'd usually be at the start of a game because you hadn't played in a while and stuff?
4: No, not really. Um, I just sort of backed sort of all the practice that I'd been doing. Um, it was obviously having been away with England all winter and bowled three million overs in the nets and um, you sort of know, know what where, where you're at really and there wasn't too big a transfer over from like the indoor school, for example, to the to the grass. For me, it was just literally crack on as usual. So I, I thought I bowled quite well in India and Sri Lanka, um, and then to come here, um, it was just mainly getting used to the Duke's ball again. Once I got used to that, then I was sweet. Um, and the weather, the weather was nice. It was pretty warm, um, and yeah, as I said, it, it was it was nice in the nets for the past sort of four months. So I just took the confidence from from there really.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the England stuff a few times. How, how did you how did you find the trip as a whole? Was it was it basically just like a long spin camp, or what was it like?
4: Uh, yeah, it's a good, good good way of putting it. Actually, i uh, never thought of it like that. Um, yeah, it was it was a long trip. Um, I like to think that I've improved as a bowler. Um, I hope that people maybe saw that last week, um, or they will see it this season. Um, nice to get, as you said, a decent chunk of bulbs. I didn't have anywhere else to be um, I got a lot of questions saying could you not have come home and etc but for me the best place to be was with England and um, probably yeah, I did the longest shift out there which was which was nice as well but yeah I just had just a long spin camp um, surrounded by the best players or well, some of the best players in the world the best players in the country so there wasn't too many better places that I could have been to prepare me for, for the season and um, obviously disappointing not to play at the end in the white ball and um, but any England side's tough to break into especially that that white ball side so yeah there was obviously tough times on the trip as well and um, being in a bubble for that long is quite tough but um I tried to stay positive and as I said there wasn't anywhere else I would I could have been I'd either been in the indoor school at Old Trafford or bowling to Joe Root in India and um, I think it's a pretty easy decision.
0: What What were your discussions with the Lancashire uh, coaches and stuff like around them? Because, as you say, you know, it's, it's often been the case that you've been left out of teams. But this, when you've been bowling all winter, and you know, it's uh, the start of the season, you must have been raring to go.
4: Yeah, I was. Um, yeah, there's some pretty honest conversations there. And yeah, tough, tough pill to swallow. Really, um, I think it was a sort of they weren't really sure how the pitch was going to play, and, and I they probably hadn't seen enough of me either. Um, obviously, been away the whole winter. I hadn't been around. The coach hadn't seen me. You know, I think we only had two practice sessions in between me landing back and playing. So, yeah, obviously, guts at the time. When you take the emotion out, you can sort of see the thinking behind it. Um, but, yeah, just nice to sort of prove a point this week and um, and then perform well.
0: Yeah. Do you, do you think of yourself as a bowler that needs sort of a, a, a little bit from the pitch or do you think that you can kind of do it whenever and also do a few types of roles as well?
4: Um, I like to think that I can. Um, I've probably not proven that I can yet or I'll probably say I've not had the opportunity to prove that I I can fulfil multiple roles um, which is probably the main talking point for me with Lancashire at the minute is trying to play as much cricket as I can to expose myself to to sort of different situations different pitches um, so far in my career I've tended to play mostly at home or on drier pitches so that's probably the next stage of my development is to to try and sort of play when it is flat or green and and do, do a job but um you can only play when you when you're selected and you can you can only play the, pit, the pitch in front of you so um for all my liking they can they can roll, they can make uh, spinning pitches
0: yeah and and do you think did, did it get sort of closer kind of over the winter because i, I don't actually who know who you were bowling to in the nets as such were you bowling to the test squad or were you kind yeah, of in your own thing separate no
4: so we train with the test squad as normal um, like the three days out and then we just like train as you would if you didn't play mm. um, so we bowled to a variety of players really uh, bowled a lot to james Bracey. and um, and then, yeah, rest of the squad, really, during the during the week. So we'd have sort of three days on, then we'd have the first two days of the test off. We'd be at the hotel and then we'd be in doing 12th man for the, the three other days or, well, I think one game lasted two days. So we weren't in at all that week. Yeah, um, But yeah, it was good, good fun, uh, real challenge. They're a great, great set, set of batters. So I think you can take a lot of confidence from that when you bowl. And you gradually see improvements. You start thinking, oh, I'm, I'm looking more threatening or um, he's not playing a certain shot against me now. And then when you come and play for Lancashire, you think, oh, because I've put all these hours of working against the very best. I think it, it's, it, sets, it sets you up nicely. Yeah, that was the only thing I was going to
0: ask. What, what specifically were you walking, uh, working on out there? Was it anything technical? or Was it just getting loads of overs in or what was it?
4: Um, we varied, really. So I've been working on a couple of little minor technical things. been working on my Googly a um, bit more like trying to direct, a bit more direct or have it in me to bowl a little bit quicker without losing any of the the skills that I've got. But you sort of varied because because of where we were and the way the series were going uh, with things off the field as well, COVID and et cetera. You actually never felt that far away from playing. Mm-hmm. You thought I'm only one injury away potentially from playing. So you, you couldn't sort of veer too far away from you your actual basics that you knew you could go out and deliver. So you had to find like a fine balance between, right, today I'm going to prepare as if I'm going to play the next test or today I'm going to prepare as if I'm not playing until April. And that got easier as we we got on. Um, Obviously, when Mo got COVID, it was was all a bit up in the air. Um, And as the series wore on, you sort of got the realisation that you weren't going to get called up unless there was a freak injury. Um, And that's when you could revert back to working on some some things that, that weren't what weren't quite as strong. You've got a pretty
0: formidable record, really, like your first-class bowling average, what, under 25 now? Uh, like, white ball numbers are all pretty good, or uh, really good. Um, the, the, so what I was wondering more is, is how you kind of feel about, like, especially when you made your debut in New Zealand and you had a few people kind of saying, like, looks really good, looks like he's got, you know, natural talent, but he's going to need to bowl quicker if he's going to make it. And if that's kind of just frustrating to hear, like, almost like, dismissed basically by some people uh and how you kind of react to that I guess.
4: Uh yeah, it was very frustrating. Um I probably learned a good lesson actually um in South Africa. Because I remember in New Zealand I bought obviously they said it was like the slowest and that was quite embarrassing actually the slowest um ball in Crickfield's database, which is <laughs> a real kick in the teeth. Um but no one really mentioned it in a negative light in New Zealand because I did well. Whereas it didn't go as well in South Africa. And that's all of a sudden everyone was saying, need to bowl quicker, et cetera, et cetera. And I probably thought too much about that in South Africa. Um, and then again, at the start of last summer when I came back from injury, um, and then I just sort of went, you know what, I'm just going to go back to doing what I do. And if that's not good enough, then it's it's obviously not good enough. And I'll just try and keep performing well and just see what happens. Um, I think the winter I've just had not playing actually gave me a bit of time to think, right, this is how we can do it and not I'm going to just rush it and try and make it match ready. I can just actually slowly build, have good days, have bad days. And I'd like to get to the point where people say, yeah, he bowls slowly, but he can still be effective on any surface. And that's probably the main challenge. I know I can be effective in England it's just whether you, you, that translates to being effective in India in New Zealand in Australia and I think that's probably that as, as I said similarly with Test cricket it's you'll only know when you get get given an opportunity to play um, and people will only know then and I guess that's probably why I'm a bit more sort of chilled about it or probably not worried about it too much because I guess I haven't been I haven't played so until I play I even I don't know the answer to that question
2: um elsewhere in the championship Somerset had a uh, another narrow win over Middlesex this time winning by four wickets um Abby Slade asks what do you make of Lewis Goldsworthy's debut for Somerset against Middlesex Goldsworthy is a 20 year old all-rounder who scored 39 in the first innings and 41 out in the second innings um I watched a bit of that game thought he batted very nicely um he was in he was uh, at the under 19 world cup last year that I watched a lot of um, and he actually impressed more with the bowl. He bowls uh, left arm spin. So, um, genuinely, the play reminds me of Liam Dawson, which might not be the most exciting thing in the world, but Liam Dawson-esque. Dawson is a, is a very, very good cricketer. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: ben? Yeah, well, because England don't have uh, a huge amount of, of white ball finger spinners coming through. I mean, Moenan has perhaps, I mean, Dawson has uh, not got the chance perhaps he, sh- he should have, and Moana has kept his spot for perhaps longer than he deserved in, in ODI cricket, certainly, uh, because there hasn't been that person bang down the door so when we picked our 2023 world cup squads on wisdom.com not long after the 2019 world cup i think uh or actually no, it must have been uh, early last year all good content yeah i i, I included lewis goldsworthy in mine as, as, as a punt so uh i'm claiming it now even if uh <laughs> even if he never scores another run uh four four days into his first class career exactly I love, that.
1: Yeah.
2: love that um phil you were at new road talk us through it yeah
1: <laughs> well not much to say um I feel sorry for the groundsman, because the grounds was underwater until set seven weeks ago. How do you produce a track? Uh, and it, and it was it was bleak and placid. It's right the, right Essex, from the game. Essex Sorry, Essex, sorry Worcester yeah, game, yeah. Worcester, Essex, Essex batted first. Um, everyone got a few. Cook got a hundred. Um, he's good. He's a good player. Uh, Wesley got another hundred. He now averages something like a, a million and a half against against Worcester. Dan Lawrence got ninety. Gave it away again. Never mind, moving on. Anyway, they got 500 and loads and Worcester then followed on but did so very, very slowly Um, and in the end it was a sort of miserable board draw. I have to admit, I didn't go on the Sunday. I had had better things to do. Um, But I did go on the Saturday uh, and and stuck it out and it's strange because it's been such a a vibrant start to the summer Uh, and this was This was the other side of the coin without fans in, and at the start of the summer, when you know pitches are, are are a bit bit dead and 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 it was a bit very cold and all of that, and this was kind of the other side of it, you know in a way it was reassuring <laughs> to see a bit of a dead game, and people just sort of desperately. Trying to create something from nothing, you know.
2: Do, do you think there's any part of Dan Lawrence's mind when he's trudging off, when he gives it away on 90, that he thinks, or oh, no. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Lawrence Klaxon. Did uh, 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 You know, how, how's Phil going to feel about this? No, um... I doubt
1: it. I, I, don't, I don't think I, I occupy much of his consciousness. It was interesting though, because I was talking to, to Mags, the, the coach, yeah. McGrath, uh, and he was saying, look, he could have had 500s this year, as it is he's got none. And I say, is this indicative of anything? He said, nah, I don't think so. He said, you know, he's, he'll be kicking himself on a couple of occasions, but I look at how he's playing. I look at the, how dominant he is when he's out, out there. And he said that, you know, the big ones will come. We shall see. Uh, but anyway, that, that was me. That was my weekend.
2: Excellent. Um, we've got a question that's loosely... Uh, based around the county championship, um, looking ahead to the start of the test summer. Will Yates asks, the vast majority of players making serious runs in the championship at the moment are either capped or overseas or not really been in the reckoning, reckoning at all. And the England batting unit has looked fairly settled, rotations notwithstanding, over the past 12 to 18 months. Who is England's next top six test debutante? And when slash what would it take for them to get a nod? Who wants to go... First of that
0: uh I think it's looks most likely to be james Bracy I mean he's the one uh that they obviously already really liked him and what they've seen and we talked about him quite a lot on the pod already, but um already rated him because they called him up for that uh that training camp or not much evidence and then he made runs in that warm-up game which made people take notice and then he's been with them all winter they 'll have seen what he's about and now he's finally getting the returns that justifies that kind of that faith um if I had to look ahead to the start of the season from now, I mean um uh, Zach Crawley hasn't got a run this season. He's got 160 odd, and that's about it. And he didn't have a great winter.
3: Zach Crawley uh, will be betting at number three in the first Test match. No, I'm,
0: I'm sure I'm sure he will. Uh, but but I think, I mean, you know. You we have
3: written him off before in this podcast. Sure. But,
0: but, <laughs> but we, we have also seen young cricketers come in and do very, very well. Uh, and then struggle after that. I mean, we've seen it with Hasib Mahmood, who looked to not just have, at that point, to have the technique. He also looked at the temperament and then, uh, Jack Crawley will be batting at number three off. for England. Sure, uh, but
3: i will getting flashbacks to last summer here. Oh, and that yeah, was fun! And, and,
0: and, and, and yeah, his th- first class
2: average is, is dangerously close to that thirty mark. Yeah, this,
0: this, this is if, if this is what prods him into getting a uh, two two hundred and sixty seven <laughs> next week again, then then it will be the bit of English cricket. <laughs> Ben's written you off again, Zach. <laughs> No, I mean, I, and I, 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 i think that Zach Crawley will have a very long and very good test career, and I think that that could also include uh, being left out early on when he's not in his best form, because he, the player, is going to come in and out of form until one more time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, look, I, I said Bracey in the last magazine. I said it a couple of weeks ago. I think, I think, if you are looking for an uncapped player, then I think he's he's probably at the front of the queue, and he's versatile. He can bat. He can open. He could bat three. He could bat more in the middle order as well uh and they like they like his style he's yeah, smart he, as you can as you, he has you the find added the advantage
3: player. of having been in, in and around the, the the squad and the team and the yeah the now head of selectors head coach head uh lord, head Mo. of laundry the whole <laughs> thing yeah so yeah i mean that is that's an advantage i mean uncapped I mean, is quite, is quite a tricky one isn't it because you the people we've been talking about have had a have had a little bit of a go yeah previously um But yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I I would be very surprised if we saw a debutant in the top six this summer or winter, to be honest with you. But but James Bracey is, is as good a shout as any.
2: Last week, we talked a lot about the possibility of the IPL um, being suspended this year, given the COVID situation in India. That that did happen this week. Um, I'm not going to talk about it too long because we talked about it a lot on last week's show, but long story short, a couple of KKR players tested positive for COVID-19 on Monday, causing the postponement of KKR's game against RCB. It was then reported that three members of the CSK support staff also tested positive on the same day. Then yesterday, after further positive tests um, in various camps, the tournament was postponed with the IPL, releasing a statement that said these are difficult times, especially in India. And while we have tried to bring in some positivity and cheer, however, it is imperative that the tournament is now suspended and everyone goes back to their families and loved ones in these trying times. It was interesting that that's what the statement actually said, because I think a lot of people assume that they'll try and squeeze the whole tournament into a week in Mumbai or something. Um, But that's obviously not the case. Um, Phil, you, you spoke to Chris Wokes over over the weekend, who was there before the tournament was cancelled.
1: One of cricket's more vibrant and bubbly characters and, you know, glass half full kind of bloke. It wasn't half full when I spoke to him. Maybe that's me. (laughs) But he was... He he saw your caller idea. So here we go. (laughs) You started
2: talking about the Worcester-Essex games at New (laughs) Road. If he brings up Dan Lawrence one more time.
1: (laughs) 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 He's an interesting term. He He said, look... I, I can't complain um, when I look out, what's happening outside my hotel room and I'm in here and I feel safe and obviously I'm being well paid to play cricket. He said, I'm not going to complain. What he did say, though, is that this is self-inflicted and I thought that was an interesting use and he used that phrase two or three times. Um, and I felt sorry for him because on a human level, I mean, he misses his his wife and kids desperately he says he he now adjusted his body clock so he'd be awake when they awake and he'd go to sleep when they go to sleep so he was on uk time stuck in a in a hotel room with this humanitarian catastrophe taking place outside and on his tv screens he'll be reminded of it every minute of the day and and that that is a is a desperate place for anyone to be in um so while he step, stopped short of saying i need to get home you could sense that in the conversation that we had and i think he will be immensely relieved just like i think everyone else will and as butch said last week as soon as it infiltrated that bubble and as soon as a player or two and a support staffer or two got infected then they had to do the thing i mean it arguably should have happened
3: before that. i mean you know i forgot actually forgot when i was leaving the ground um Last week, I forgot about you know the, how big a production these things are. You know, yeah, you've got yeah, cameramen, you've got you've got sort of you know, guys, riggers, you've got truck. You've got this the, the amount of people that it takes just to put on one of these games on one evening is huge, and trying to keep them, you know, this is absolutely ripping through the country. To sort of think that you could continue and keep everybody sort of uh, separate from it is just extraordinary, really. And I, I listen, I, and I, I I was sort of torn with the idea that. Perhaps that sort of ent- the entertainment and the fact that cricket is so big over there sort of tempers the the uh, the, 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 the temptation to call it disgusting and, and, and all the rest of it because at least they were trying to provide some, some cheer and some entertainment. But you d- there was no way. There was just simply no way. And then you, you sort of throw it forward and think, well, they, they're going to want to try and finish it. But how? You got World, World T20 in, in October. India touring England in um, late June through to, through to August, all of the international teams will be in the midst of their preparations for that World T20. I, I just cannot, you know, where are you going to slide it in? And then you've got the ashes about less than a month Precisely. The... Well, I mean, you well, know, it,
1: it, 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 it throws more shade on, the, on the, the schedule itself as well, of course, you know, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's an unintended consequence of this, <sighs> but
3: well, I mean, look, you know the, the the ipl had already you know we kind of forget that the ipl was already muscled into a part of the schedule that would that had hitherto been blank yeah. you know we've come to come to expect and know that that is that is going to be um a part of a part of the cricketing calendar now but it, it wasn't only 13 years ago mm. 14 years ago
1: yeah. money doesn't um,
3: talk it swears right well yeah i mean but you know and i i, I have no i sort of i, I don't call any sort of moral judgment on that fact but there is no room anymore for anything anywhere um yeah <laughs> and and that sometimes you just got to go look the, the situation at the moment is 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 very dire it's very it's it it's not hopefully something that we're going to see repeated um in our lifetime and that sometimes you just have to go yeah you know what that's it, it. If, it's if it's we, done we can't there's nothing we can do we, we, totally. we'll take it on the chin and we'll go again next year
1: yeah and, and i hope that that does happen and that the Calendar isn't more kind of bastardised because commerce is such that this has to be finished, and they have to have a twenty I mean, twenty one. Listen, we, wanna, done, if, if we go down that road, that is that is a grim state of affairs. And, and
3: we've done this. With, you know, England and Australia did this. We're trying to fit in extra Ashes series because of the because of the World Cup in twenty fifteen. We've seen we've seen what happens. We've seen the sort of the unintended consequences of trying to squeeze things where they do not belong, and the knock on effect that that has all around the world of cricket not just in the countries that are that are directly involved and so i think sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and say you know what we'll we'll take the hit this time yep. and we'll and we'll leave everything as it is let everybody have a breather i mean the the you know the, the sort of the metaphorical idea of, of gasping for breath so the calendar is gasping for breath and india is gasping for breath
2: yeah we had um, we had we had uh, the the journalist rory dollard on the show when the england safrica tour was canned and he basically made the point there is just no room to get this tour um back into the calendar um and th- there's been some kind of slightly well very distasteful kind of um uh people on social media saying oh that the, the bubble wasn't good enough and people saying comparing the the quality of various bubbles that have been taking place in the world and ben and i we talked about this before about how basically since the start of the pandemic the only bubbles that have really worked have been in places where there hasn't been that much covid at the end of the day um <laughs> yes. Like uh, how, however good the bubble is, if the, it is so dependent on the situation, and as we all know, the situation in India is as bad as it's been anywhere else in the world throughout the whole pandemic.
0: And sorry, just 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 on that, because it, it seems possible plausible that uh, how Baron Chakravarty, who I think was the first player to test positive, got the uh, caught the virus was that he uh, needed a scan in his shoulder, and they had sort of protocols in place for how to take players out the bubbles. You know, the player gets in full PPE, the driver gets in full PPE, they drive them to a hospital, which sort of have this little. They sort of self the unit. They clean everything down, and the you know the, the the medical staff are wearing full PPE. But this is a, a virus that passes through the air, and you can't you know completely fully seal off the clothes that you're wearing as much and you'd that, like to. All, it, all you're doing is playing a, a game of odds, and, and the odds are just so much worse when you know it's ripping through the country. And it, that
3: and it's, it's that in itself. That in itself. Just think about that. The, all the resources that had to be taken up and used for one person to go to to leave the bubble to get tested yeah so that's the for one person yeah. and you think about the the, the the humanitarian struggle that's going on with people that have no access to anything whatsoever and yet all of that resource is taken up for one guy in in this in the, in the in the tournament itself it's the only decision that could have been taken and some you know some might say that, it, that it's a week too late um, I think don't no there's no point sending spreading blame around it's happened it's the right thing um, and you know, you just you just pray that they get things under control there, um, regardless of of the IPL.
2: Mm. Um, before it was canned, there were there was there's one amazing innings from Joss Butler that I think a lot of English fans have enjoyed. He's not been in great form recently.
0: You in the um, week,
2: right? It, yeah, it was. Um, he was 34 or 32, I think. And then and he 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 looked as he, he made batting it really difficult. Uh, in the first half of that innings, and then nine overs later, he walks off the field with the eighth high score in IPL history, um, having hit 90-odd of 30 in the last nine
0: overs. So he uh, now has as many T20 hundreds as Alistair Cook yes. and Cheteshwar Pajara. So. Yes,
2: as, um, <laughs> as he mentioned in the post-match interview as well, um, which is was, which was, which was nice. Uh, we've had some test rookie as, as well this week. Lanka beat Bangladesh in the second and final test of that series. And the 100s for Karuna Ratne and Thierry who's on an amazing run of form. After so Is he, is he um, up
3: averaging over 25 now? He is. He is, yeah.
2: Is he? He is. He's, he's about 28. Um, and that's after averaging 60 for Five or six tests, yeah. Um, there are ele- ele- He's a really good player, it's, he just, looks, it's
3: staggering <laughs> that, his, that his record was so bad, yeah. In over such all, a long series of uh, space of time,
2: on the England tour of Sri Lanka, I, I was thinking like I can kind of see why they've given him this many opportunities because you look at his record, like you know, he's played 35 tests and average 23, give up, but um, you can you can see why, and it is actually paid, yeah, and the they're moment.
3: not they're not spoilt for choice at the moment. Yeah, um, that's that's true. That's well, another another part.
2: Although of it. this this was a pretty good win for them, and I guess the other big positive was uh, there are eleven wickets on debut for twenty-two year old left-arm spinner Praveen Jawick Rama. Which um, I mean, Lasith uh, Malinga did very well against England, so their their spin stocks looks very good uh, once more. And in Zimbabwe, Pakistan beat Zimbabwe by an innings. as a hundred for Fahd Alam um, and lots of wickets for Hassan Ali, um, who is making a, a real resurgence recently. Um, having had a couple of difficult years in international
0: cricket. Howard Alam has uh, taken a record off Ravi
1: Bapara, Phil. Yeah, which you told me about last week. So 300s, so no 50s.
0: That's Bapara and Alam is 400s, uh, Four. no 50s. No. So there you go. That's the way to do it.
2: Phil, what's your moment of the week?
1: Um, yeah, well, it's got to be a conversation with, with Graham Gooch, uh, professor of, of run making. And we had a chat two <laughs> mornings ago, maybe or maybe yesterday morning. I think it was yesterday. What was yesterday morning, eight o'clock in the morning. He was already out, up and about, striding across the Devon moors. He's there with his family on a walking holiday, and and uh, it was meant to be a quick chat. It meant to simply just be a few recollections of the ninety-one Leeds innings, the famous one-five-four against the West Indies uh, when he carried his bat. Instead, it became more of a of a seminar on on the art and science of, of of making runs, not scoring runs, making runs. Very now, important to make that distinction. Yeah. And it was, it was full of all the beautiful goochisms that we've come to know and love. And it is a strange experience. And I, I don't know him well at all. Obviously, Mark will know him much better, but I, I I've watched him since I was a, a child, first of all, in the flesh at, at Chelmsford. And then I've bumped into him once or twice. Um, he has a very clear memory of those occasions which is not a reflection of me but just a reflection of I know oddly enough I think it's a reflection of the way that his mind works I mean he's so immersed in the game he'd already had had a phone call with Paul Grayson that morning because he was he was running Yorkshire twos playing at Billeric against Essex Uh, and this was only eight o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday morning anyway the point is that he, he is so forever immersed in the game and that comes through and yet you you have this conversation with this fella and you have to check yourself sometimes because he scored more professional runs than any other human being who's ever walked the earth. You know, you can have Jackie Hobbs, you can have Graham Hick,
2: you can have Sachin, <laughs> you can have, have whoever you
1: like. Gooch scored the most professional runs in history, in human history, and and so when he when he starts talking about about it, you do have to pinch yourself a little bit. Um, and then you hear the kind of the, the whistling wind come across, buffeting in on the phone call, and you can just picture him, you know, like Jude the Obscure on the Devon Moors. And it's just a strange, slightly surreal experience. But he, 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 he automatically starts talking about batting and, and the science of batting. And he makes this clear distinction between scoring runs and making runs. He said, scoring runs, he actually said, you, you can score runs. I mean, I didn't tell him I'm not a bad player. <laughs> he said, even you can score runs. He said, it's your day. The sun's out. You get a bit of luck. It's a flat pitch. You, you score a hundred, but making runs. There's a distinction there. There's a difference. Making runs is when none of those things are in your favor, but you do it anyway. And it was, it's an interesting kind of key distinction in how he sees, sees the, the, the mysteries of, of, of making runs. Um, he also spoke about a few experiences of his own. Um, and we spoke about 91 in particular, but we also spoke about 81 as well when he made 100 at Barbados uh, in the shadow of Kenny Barrington's desperate heart attack overnight. And Gooch made 100 then and he and he became quite, quite choked up actually in, in, in recalling that moment 40 years on and yet still a very raw experience for him. And he was saying it's not, it wasn't that he had an added incentive because he never needed an incentive to go out and bat, but he said, the trauma of that moment gave him an edge. And, and I thought that was an interesting term, again, that he used. And I kind of got a little glimpse of the emotional side of, of this, this kind of Mount Rushmore figure in the game, you know. Um, he spoke about 91 and, and, and he spoke about playing and missing. He said that, he said there's an art and a skill to playing and missing. He says if you've got good technique, you could, if you hold the line, if your balance is right, and if you're not going too early at the ball, then you will play the line and you won't follow it. And he says, it's a hard mental skill, uh, but if you have good technique, then you can play and miss and put it away. You can put it to one side. He says players with chinks in their technique, that they're likely to go looking for, that, for that, that ball that jags away. And of course, there were 100 balls that jagged away at Headingley, overcast, in 91. Um, he also spoke about, and this, this was fascinating to me, he spoke about playing the hook shot, and he played a lot of hook shots in that particular innings. He said, there was no way I was going to play a drive because it was going everywhere under, you know, leaden skies, blah, blah, blah. He said, but if they bowled it short, I, I just, I, I would play the hook shot, but only at certain points in the innings. And he said that he would always know if Malcolm Marsh was running into bowl or if Kirtley's running into bowl or Kirtley never bowled you, like, you know, bounce or a long but he would know before the ball is let go if he's going to play the hook shot or not. And he said, any batsman, who turns around and says, well, you know, I saw it pitch, and then I saw it climb, and then I decided to play the shot. He, he quote, you've got to be an effing good player to play like that. So when Gooch says it, you kind of go, oh, right, interesting. And what, his point was that it would always be a decision, a pragmatic decision based on pitch, pace, new ball or old ball, whether there's a man out or whether there's there's an offside field, whether it's a shot to nothing or or not, and so on and so on. And it's just a little glimpse again into to how you play at that level, at that real level. And I hadn't heard too many people talk about that particular element, that, that hook shot. Because again, there's a lazy cliche that I've probably fallen into. that It's a bit of a, it's a compulsive shot. It's an impetuous shot. You see it, you hit it. He, well, in his, in his mind, and obviously I'm coming to you now, in his mind, that notion is completely alien to him. And he also doesn't buy it when players say that they do play it like
3: that. Yeah, interesting. What do you think about well, that? Well, I mean, I think because Gooch because because of how great he was, the rules kind of don't apply elsewhere. You know, that's what made him so great. He was able to sort of break everything down into these um into these small compartments. I mean, the the, the thing that really interested me about what you just said, not it's not about playing the hook shot or not. Because for me, I was always thinking, I'm not going to play it. And then I would play it and surprise myself, right. right? So, you know, that's completely goes against, but then, you know, my record, 34, average 34, whatever, 800s versus his is, you know, there's the comparison in itself, um, was the thing about Kenny Barrington. Now, for me, the difference between those who are the great players and those who are good, um, but but not in that way sort of reliable i suppose and that's that's what separates the great from the good is the kind of the, the sheer consistency that they were able to go out there make runs come hell or high water was this idea that that something as traumatic as that he was able to not only compartmentalize and keep away from his thought processes but he was actually able to turn that into something good yeah that staggers me
1: yeah totally and that
3: and there there you have it there you have the sort of that's the difference you know i found it incredibly difficult in my career as a professional player to to be to to be able to leave if stuff was bad off off the field away from the game of cricket to be able to leave that behind to a sufficient degree to be able to then give enough of myself to the job that i was doing as a, as a player i found that unbelievably hard but somebody like alex stewart was very very good at being able to put aside personal issues and go out there and play the game as though nothing was going on and gucci obviously was a, was an absolute master in fact he not only ignored it he used it to his advantage in, that's staggering to me um you, you know think, what he, cricket cricket being the, the the length of time that it takes to make a test match hundred the length of time that it takes to play a test match means that life that is going on in and around the game of cricket is not a diversion it's kind of you're in it all of it is happening at the same time and so being able somehow to um to put enough of it away that it doesn't affect what you're doing in the job and then being able to go back to it and then being able to go back to the job is an incredible skill and those that have scored a gazillion runs you know somebody like sachin imagine his mental capacity for compartmentalization must be incredible and that is the that's the the stunning bit of your revelations about ChatGPT. That's, chat with that's what
1: really really separates them, I think. And, and 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 the eternal mysteries of it all, you know, unravelled just that little bit more on the back of a half hour conversation. And you know, then he then he hung up, and then he then he'd be be speaking to someone else five minutes later, you know. And it, it's that kind of immersion in the game as well that I find very interesting and kind of kind of beautiful as well in its own way
3: do you know something about because gucci was was batting coach for england he was kind of standing head coach for a little while in in 1999 as well and i was finding quite frustrating to be to talk to about batting because he was very good at telling you the what but we're not very good at telling you the why or the how Mm -hmm. um and you know i'm not criticizing i think he's a terrific bloke and obviously an incredible player but he would say stuff like you know well hit it back where it's come from or hit it, to, <laughs> hit, it, hit it to mid-off and mid-on. I'm like, well, I bloody well know that. I know where I'm supposed to be hitting it, but I can't get it there. Every time oh I God. aim it through mid-on, it goes through square leg. <laughs> you know, how, why, you know?
4: Mm.
3: Um, and, and, you know, so that was, you know, perhaps... Yeah, I know. Cookie has done an enormous amount of work with Graham and swears by his coaching methods. But for me, it was—I was just was left frustrated. Every so, I was like, "Well, why are you telling? I know that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I know this stuff. Yeah,
3: but I can't do it. I can't put it into practice at the moment. Why? Why am I not able to do so?"
1: Um, just another tiny bit, just to get on the psychology of it. It reminded me of a quote that NASA once gave about uh, Gooch, and NASA was in the midst of one of one of his NASA moments and it was all getting too much for him and he turned to Gooch almost frustrated and he said w- w- why don't you get effing nervous what's the matter with you <laughs> and Gooch just turned to him and said as he's just putting his bat down and you know re-stickering his pads on the Velcro and everything very just so he says it's just a game of cricket NASA it's just a game of cricket which again is interesting because it's on the one hand a game of cricket but on the other hand it's everything it's life <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's what Gooch is
2: I, I was going to say, I think w- one, of the mo- one of the amazing things about that is just uh, the level of detail and the passion he has on batting so long after he finished his career. Like, mm. I think a lot of people probably would leave that to one side, to degree. And also, we were talking about earlier about, given that he's on the, the, the Mount Rushmore of English cricket batting, etc. Um, Might do that in the
1: magazine. Yeah, Might look yeah, yeah
2: nice. it's a good little feature, oh, yeah. good little feature. Um, given he's on that, I think kind of yeah, like the the way, the way he almost carries himself almost in the way he lives he's lived his life post his playing career kind kind of um, you know in Indian cricket Satchel is on another level you don't really see him that often but with Gooch you see him in a tracksuit at Chelmsford yeah. when they're you know when they were playing in Div Two for example which yeah. which almost clouds your judgment of kind of what he achieved as a player well,
1: well, again I I used to see him in Marks and Sparks on the High Street at Chelmsford all the time with his misses and he was always in the 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 Whittingdale 1993 shell suit of the India tour. And I remember that, because I kind of quite fancied that when I was 12 <laughs> years old. And, he, and he'd just sort of be sort of gooching around in Marks and Sparks. And I was like, hold on, you scored more runs than anyone else in history. And there you are, plodding through Marks and Sparks. Yeah. Anyway anyway moving on anyway that I th- was my moment of the week wonderful I, th-
2: I think that's it for the show um, well <laughs> cheers Phil cheers Pleasure. Ben cheers Butch. this has been the Whizzing Cricket Weekly Podcast if you've liked what you've listened to or watched hit the like button hit the subscribe button and we'll be back next week cheers
3: Podcast Network.